0: Welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. During this time, like, you know, from pandemic to, um, you know, racial injustice showing its face again and just kind of processing like, wow, we really need help. Like we just really need help during this time. It's for all the progress we've made, uh, you know, we really need God. And so the Psalms give us language and they kind of direct us how to feel They give us language, how to process things and speak to things. And so we're going through that. Last week we did Psalm 51, kind of taking a a focus on search my heart, oh God, like, um, you know, really like what's in me, God, what's truly in me. Um, I know I kind of put on this, this veneer, but what's truly going on inside of me, God, my heart, that's the real issue of today. And then today we're actually going to look at um, Psalm 24, but uh, there's a prayer in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, um, and you know, it's, it's Moses. He's talking to God face to face, right? Um, and this is what he says to God, and I think this is, this is our posture as we go through Psalms. And I think, it's, I think it's a proper posture for this time that we live in, that, uh, that we would say to God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And so that's our prayer. As we, go in, as we go into this, let's pray, and let's pray that, right? Let's pray that today, that God would teach us his ways. So let's pray together. God, as we open your word this morning, as we go to this, we just, uh, we just recognize our, our utter dependence upon you, God. Um, it, it actually has always been, um, but really we're recognizing it now, it now God. And so we come to you as as people this morning, different places, different backgrounds, um, but the same God. Uh, You are capable, you are able. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach today. We ask that you would uh, speak to the real us, that we might hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, one of the most enjoyable games for me as a boy, uh, I grew up out in the country, kind of a similar town to this in Central California. And uh, we, we had a field, uh, fields at our house, and we, we, we grew crops and different things. And, um, and, but when there wasn't anything there, it was just dirt clods. And so anywhere there was like a space or like a little mound, we would play King of the Mountain. right? So in King of the Mountain is a game, Is like basically whoever you know, rules that space or that hill is the king. And uh, depending on what the rules were, was how you could remove the king right? And so sometimes, you know, some people, we would play pushing, you know, and then sometimes it would go overboard into other things. But typically it's not a game that you would allow in school because it was just way too physical because it would always get there because you're physically moving someone else out of that space to take over the space. Very similar to football, okay, is to dominate this other person. And so even though schools wouldn't do that in those things, uh, you know, typically in society, we have no problem playing that, but not physically, but emotionally, We have no problem playing that uh, in these things, like probably around junior high where I enjoyed it the most, is where these things really start to take root in society, which is uh, beauty, brains, bucks, and brawn, right? Uh, Those four things in life, people love to play king of the mountain with. And so if you have those things, like you're the king of the mountain. If you don't have those things, you don't even get to play. And somehow your worth is less if you don't have beauty, brains, bucks, and brawn. And, and it's interesting. We really don't stop playing that a lot of times uh, in junior high, but it gets played throughout throughout whole life, our whole lives. Um, it takes many variations, I think, in our society: areas of financial, political, social, popularity, gender, religion, and race, right? And it's just it's like we're king of the mountain because I have this, or you're different, or or that's less than. And history shows that. When we see these problems, and we're seeing it right now, when we see the problem that's there and the game of King of the Mountain is being played, we have people rise up that try to make things right. And we have the, the powerful that try to make things right. And the person with the loudest voice or the person that seems to have the best argument or idea then becomes the new leader. And many times what happens is, is, is that their intentions many times are veiled too. And then now you just have another king that maybe sometimes is worse than the first king. And so whether it's, you can think of political, you can think of social, all sorts of different areas to do that. And typically in this game of king of the mountain, you have long-term winners, you have short-term winners, and, but really nobody wins because it's kind of just a futile game because Psalm 24, actually what it does, it actually puts the brakes on all of our ascent to be king. It just puts the brakes right there and just like, look, you, no one could be king. It's already settled. The game is over. There's not a game to be played. There's, there's only one that can be king. And so Psalm 24, it's a tangible, you know, tangible picture of our world today and what needs to be done. So Psalm 24 starts with this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Let's go home, right? Who's king? God is king of the mountain the Lord, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And so, so verse one makes the claim. Verse two backs it up because I don't know about you, but who have you found walking around making this claim lately? I mean, just break it down a little bit. Those that do, they end up in special places, right? But God makes this claim. And David speaks it for him, that the earth is the Lord's and absolutely everything in it, the world and all who live in it. But then it gets even more detailed, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the water, right? Uh, This is kind of uh, with, I have three boys and so, and they're wonderful, but sometimes things happen around the house when we're not there or things get broken or whatever. And and, in the details of how something happened, right? Because sometimes who did it? Not me they've figured that out, that if they just all deny it and just hold on, then it's just, you know, nobody did it. But as I ask questions, you know, I can get them. I found that I can can get them in about who did it. But it's always like, you know, well, how did this break? Well, what happened? Where was it there? So God knows the details of how the earth was formed. He knows the details about how all this began, that he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. And so with that argument... Once we settle the idea of of who is king, then what we can do is we can say, well, if God is king in the mountain, how can I live with him on the mountain? If he's the one that decides all of this, how can I live with him? And then what we can do is we can actually find a way forward. We can actually find direction for times like the one we live in now. We can actually find direction for what do we do during this time instead of just like easy fixes. What are easy fixes? So Here's a little bit of background um, on Psalm 24. Uh, um, The focus is really on who is God and who can be with him, right? That's that's, that's really the focus. Um, It's believed that the occasion of the writing was um, in in the Old Testament. uh, David is king, and he brings the Ark of the Covenant into the city. It was with the Philistines, and now he brings the Ark of the Covenant into the city. And so the whole idea is of this psalm is, is like, look, everything's the Lord's. And you'll see later like this this song that kind of comes out of this and goes into it. But the idea is, is the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is coming in. And so will you welcome him? Will you welcome and let him be king of this place? Will you allow him to be king? Uh, It can be really broken up into three parts, one and two, which we read. So God is king and he's king of all and he made all. And then he's really king of the mountain. The the second part, verse 3 through 6, is who can be with the king of all. And then 7 to 10 is really a game-changing decision. It's a decision that that, that we're called to make. So let's read the rest of the psalm together. Verse 3 says this, um, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. So the answer to verse 3, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord, who may stand his holy place, is answered in verse 4. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So it focuses on hands, right? My hands are the outward. My hands are like what I do, you know, how I do things. And then it talks about my heart. So my heart is the way I think. That's inward. It's the real me. So clean hands, a pure heart, and who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So the person that, the opposite of that is, is that if they do trust in idols or, or go after false gods, it's, they have an appetite for it. It's just not like I make mistakes, I sin, but it's like I have an appetite for this. So that's the contrast. So as you read verse 4, are you encouraged? I'm not. Right? Like, like who, who has clean hands? Who has a pure heart? Who doesn't trust in idols or swear by false gods? Who doesn't have an appetite for those things? And that's actually the whole point. That's the whole point, is that if you look at verse 5, what does it say? They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. So, the, the, the focus and draws your attention is the last part of verse five. Vindication from God, their savior. So there's this idea in our world today and, and there's horrible things that we are doing to each other. And there should be outrage. Absolutely. Uh, there should be outrage in the things that we do to one another. But we all are in the same place. Romans 3.23 says that for all of sinned and to the glory of God. Like, we're all lumped in together. Like, during the pandemic, the, the chant was, is like, we're all in this together, right? Well, guess what? In the nastiness, in the, 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 the mess that we see on our TVs and we see on our streets and we see in our neighborhoods, we are all in this together. Like, we collectively made this mess. Like, that's what I do with my boys, is if nobody fesses up, I say, great. So you all get punished. You all did this together. That's pretty bright, Right? It's just like, hey, if nobody's going to do that, then, you know, you all, right, you know, uh, don't get internet. You don't get your phones or whatever, right, whatever uh, hurts the most. And so um, that's the idea. We're all in this together. So if you look at the mess, people want to lay blame. And then, and then it's like if you lay blame, it's like let me rule. Let me be king of the mountain. But in reality, no, we're all in this together. We need help. God's king of the mountain. So v- verse 5 speaks of a savior, and, and that's what we need. We need a savior. But then it says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Right? So it describes in these verses, the one who has clean hands, a pure heart, doesn't trust in idols. Because guess what? Is I have a savior, that's who I become. That's who I become. As I become a person that, that that as God works in my heart, that, that the outward things that I do clean up. But it, Even though it's first here, it's not first in what happens. The heart is the one that gets pure. You see, um, it's not that you get a pure heart because you get your heart pure and then you go after God and then he's pleased with it. But as you seek him, your heart becomes pure. Because when he's your object, when you give your attention to him, that's what you become like, is you get in proximity with him. So this, this part here, it's not written here. Some, some, some of your Bibles may say this, but in, in the original it says Selah. And, and what it means is press pause on that. Press pause on what you just heard. Just take a minute, sit down into it. And what it really echoes is it echoes John chapter one, verse one through three because we see this one that made everything and he created everything and he's king of the mountain, but then he cleans us up. He cleans everything up and he then says like, you can ascend and be with me. It's not like get everything right, get yourselves right, but I'm going to come and clean you up and make things right with you. And it has echoes of John chapter one, verse one through three. It says this, it says in the beginning was the word. So speaking of Jesus, And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now listen, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. You know, in in our world, um, you know, like if you have a job, and um, a lot of times in companies, you know, you start working at the job, and it's like somebody walks in, well, who's that? Well, that's the boss. That's the boss. You know, that's the CEO, or that's a big guy. And in really healthy companies, that person knows that, their company is only as great as is, is how they serve and lift up other people and help those other people. That, that actually the, the, you know, the, the upside down, you, know, you turn the, the, the triangle upside down, right? It's not the, the person up here that's the greatest, but turn it upside down. That's what Jesus did. But think about it. Jesus created everything. Like So this, this world is his company. Like This is his industry. This is what he's done. And he started it all. And so God, you, you don't see God show up. You see him judge. You see him bring judgment on people. But he tells them, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen. But it's all his. And you see him this whole time, even though he started the world and everything in it and people and everything. You see God again going after people time and time again. Yet he's the boss. He's the one that created it all. It's because of his great love for us. That's why he created us, is for us to be with him and, and, and to love him and receive his love. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, the one that made everything came near, right? When Jesus came on the scene, he, he declared that the kingdom of God is near. So in other words, God's not far off on some mountain. He is the king of the mountain, but he's on this mountain, he's near. The kingdom of God. And I was thinking about this family. It was about... I don't know, 15 years ago, I, I ran into this family. And so there was 10 brothers and sisters. And um, they all were, I think the oldest were maybe in their, you know, I think just like 40s or 50s. And so their parents, um, their parents had passed. And, you know, 10 brothers and sisters. So just big family, right? And spouses and kids and everything. And, and what they did is every year, um, I forget whether it was for the birthdays or anniversary or whatever, but they came together and had a big party for their parents. And, and just celebrated. And they told me all about it. They had these traditions that they did and everything. And so I asked, I was just so taken aback by it. And it's like, that's really special. That's amazing. And, and then I, I, we were just talking about things. And I asked them, I said, hey, so that sounds like a really fun party. But what would it be like if your parents were there? Like, what would you do differently? And then they started saying that, like, how their parents were, influenced what they were doing, but they just said, oh, man, this would be different, and we would do this different, and we would, we would act different in this way, and we would do this because they're there. Well, you guys, in this world, it's kind of like that. Like, we kind of throw this party called life, and then we're like, yeah, and, and, and God's kind of this person that's out there, like somebody that's past or something. But in actuality, God is here. So how would we deal with our problems now, knowing that the one that made everything, the king of glory, the king of the mountain, actually is here? He's in this space. He's never not been. So how should we live? How should we act different now that his kingdom is at hand? Well, um, the latter part of it is, goes into, um, you look at it and you're like, wait, what is this? Well, it's really something remember the ark of the covenant the presence of God coming into the city coming into this place coming in that's the story and then also too when kings would go out to battle they would as they came back in victory people you know people would this the same idea too but look what it says lift up your heads you gates so think of a city with gates be lifted up you ancient doors Doors represent houses, homes, people, uh, lineage, relationships. That the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory, the Lord almighty? He is the king of glory. And so in these gates, right? What, what do gates and doors do? They let something in or someone in, right? Or they keep them out. And when you think about this, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus today, here's your responsibility, right? Because look, you, you, not all of us can speak Uh, eloquently in a way to move the masses as far as our problems today not everyone can can totally understand what everybody's going through not everybody can can put money towards everything not everybody can can find the best solution or think it through but and that's not really what's needed what's really needed because God is near and he's here is for Christians is for followers of Jesus to do what it tells us in this in this place here Because the idea was, as the Ark of the Covenant came in, the the people, the believers of God, the people of Israel, they actually were to accept the presence of God. What would happen? As they did that, their city would be different. Their city would be changed. So if you're, so the gates of the city, we don't have many gates of the city now. But guess what? In God's world, the gates of the city are the Christians. The gates of the city are the followers of Jesus. They're the gates of the city. And so the way that we change our cities, the way that we change our neighborhoods, our communities, is we lift up our heads. Well, if my head is down, what am I doing? I'm focusing on something else. So change your focus, lift it up to who? The king of glory and let him come in. But then too, what does it say? It says, it says ancient doors, right? And it speaks of like something that doesn't stop or go forward. And I think in this sense, it has to do with what has been in the past. Doors represent Homes, families, right? They represent, like, like, past. I think they represent past sin. I, I think they represent generational sin. I think they, they represent, like, I mean, that's part of our problem right now, right? Like, is we're watching what's happening in our world and the way people treat each other still based upon the color of their skin or, or if you're different, right? It's not just something that we decided today, but it's problems from the past, And you can't erase the past. You can try to make it better going forward. But there is something that's deep in the way that we think. I've seen this in my own family, right? Um, like my, my dad's grandmother, um, Green City, Missouri, two and a half hours like northeast from here. I've never been there, but I'm going to. But that's where my grandfather grew up. And his mother was, was a strong Christian. But then my grandfather didn't follow Jesus until like his 70s. But see, what happened 15 or 20 years before that was that Jesus skipped him, skipped my dad, because they didn't follow Jesus, came after the grandsons of this wonderful Christian woman. We received Jesus as teenagers, and then he circled back, and he started to bring the generation before us to know Jesus. Right? That's what God does. And then what he's been doing is working out all of our stuff. Because it's messy. It's messy. And so that's the way that cities are changed. That's the way things are, are changed in our world. Is by doing that. But this idea of lifting up your heads, you guys. See, worship is all about attention. It's like what you give your attention to. And so the way that we worship God, the way that we change our cities, is by giving our attention to Jesus. Right? Stay out of the weeds. There's so much... There's so many things moving around right now. But your superpower as a Christian is to love and to worship. And loving is worship. You see, all we can really do in our world today is just love the person in front of us. And make bounds and stretch. Not just easily, but stretch. God, how can I do this? How can I move further in this? And that's worship. So we worship in life and song. So, that, so, so what do we do with this? Okay. One is, is we're going to worship here in song, and I hope it has meaning to you, In this idea that you're the gates of lifting that up. I mean, do you guys get that? You get that? You're the gate. You're the gate. So, if we want our cities change, if we want things change, then I let Jesus in, the King of Glory in. Everything changes when Jesus is there. So when we look and we say, how long, Lord? How long till things change? And Jesus says, like, hey, let me in. Let me in. You see it in the Old Testament, right? They'd send the worship leaders ahead during battle. And the worship leaders, what? Like you see with, with Jericho, marched around. They weren't just marching around like, okay, we're marching around again. No, they were praising God. They were lifting up their heads, the gates. They were praising God for his power to come so that... Change wouldn't happen just in their own abilities, but by God's ability. And that is the opportunity that we have. Because as he's praised, he comes, and there's more of them. So one is, is this, and this is the deeper work, right? Like, this is the deeper thing. Like, if you, if you want to go deep, because this calls to be a time of, of deepness, right? Kind of the, during the pandemic, it was, well, can just things go back to the way they were, like normal? And it's like, well, no, normal wasn't good before. And then we have things front and center that we still hurt each other horribly. We still treat each other horrible. We still have malice and murder in our hearts and hatred for those that are different than us. And then it's like, oh, normal wasn't that good. Well, what's normal now? The only thing we can do is let the king of glory in. Like, God, can you sort this out? Can you intervene here? So one is, is in your own life, deep reflection is, is offer up and surrender the ancient, right? The ancient doors. So your generations in your family history, right? I'm doing that right now. I'm doing that with family members right now. Because there's some things that were done in, to us and by us that keep us from being healthy. Keep us from being whole. And as you deal with that and allow Jesus into it, all of a sudden I show up differently. Because guess what? In your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, or whether you're a kid with your parent, you bring like all sorts of generations into those relationships. All sorts of different ways of dealing with things. All kinds of hurts and other things. You bring those into it. And so offer those up. Surrender to them. Like, hey, I'm good if you just take this stuff. Like, so the junk. Take this up. There's plenty of good things in all of our families. But just take this junk. I don't want to operate this way anymore. And then two, worship in life and song. That's how we do this. Lift up our heads. Lift up our heads, oh gates. Right? So you had no idea when you came here today that you're going to find out that you're a gate. Isn't that amazing? You are a gate. So let's pray, and and we're going to to worship. Jesus, you... um, You're not asking us to do something that you didn't do. Um, When you came and lived and, and laid down your life for us, you were doing this. For by the cross, you overcame every power and principality. You disarmed the enemy. And so the power is there. And the power that raised you from the grave is, is, is operating in us and through us, God. And so the power is there. And so the one that gave all, the one that gave everything, now you're asking us to do the same. You're asking us to, to be the ones that usher in and let you in. And so, God, would you move upon our hearts, God? Would you help our gaze to rise up from other things, our attention to be on the things that don't matter, to be in the weeds in and, and you, the real solution. So would you come in, Jesus? God, would you invade with your kingdom the way things that they are in heaven? Would you invade into this community of Piper and Baser and Bonner Springs and Parkville and all of Kansas City, God? Would you come and would you invade this place with your love? But start with us, God. Start with your church. We repent from not caring, God. We repent from getting sidetracked, Lord. We want to give everything for you and and to seek your face as we saw. To seek your face, O God. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, give, or or get connected, please visit VineyardKCWest.com. In Jesus' name.